be really clear on what exactly it is that that they want to change and what most importantly what are they going to replace it with without a plan you'll go back to your old habits people who write things down are 83% more likely to achieve them so document explicitly what is the behavior that you're going to do when are you going to do it and slowly but surely you'll start to embed that into your routine Welcome into the Fruit Tyree Show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm alongside my friend and pal, career mentor, interview coach, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? For today's episode, we're going to be discussing one of the most important factors that determines your ability to be successful in your personal life, in your career, and in your finances. Your ability to implement successful, long-lasting change. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, change. Whether it's you want to lose weight, you want to stop texting and driving, you want to stop procrastinating on your work projects, or start saving more and and spending less money when you're going out and investing more, change is tough. So, Serge, I mean, how long have I been talking about trying to drop the LBs that I've had for, I don't know, many years? Probably about 12 years. I don't know, 15 years. 12 or 15. I don't think it's been that long. I was going to go for like How old are we? How old are we? Jesus. I, I don't think that's Okay, happening. okay. T- 10 years. 10 years at least. Yeah, it's been probably 10 years. But man, like as much as I bitch and moan about it, I can't do it because it's like uh, us as humans, we have this, we're stuck in our ways. Right, Serge? I mean, you and your personal life, Serge, how do you, have you been trying to change some things? What's, what yeah, have you yeah, been yeah. struggling I, with? I think I'm, I'm really happy we have Frisco coming on, but I think change is... Right now in this world, it's easy to talk about doing something. It's harder to do something. We all talk, I, right? We're all talk. We have all these different to-do lists and all these things we want to accomplish and New Year's resolutions, but it's difficult to maintain. Like I can do something good for like a couple of weeks and then it falls off because I get too busy or whatever. So I'm excited um, to learn more about this. I think we all need it. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to touch on the personal side, the career side, finance side. So for today, we have the honor of having Frisco Wiria join us on the show. And she is a change management consultant from Sydney, Australia. She's headed up organizational change at Newcrest Mining, one of the largest gold mining companies in the world. She's helped lead them in digital transformation. And she's also led global change for multi-million dollar companies and projects, implementing change around technology, structure, process, and people impacting over 23,000 employees across seven continents at Worley. She's built uh, the change practice for digital consulting at Fujitsu, a top global 500 company. And she's also presented at the Women's Leadership Summit in Melbourne. So this is awesome. Frisco, thank you for coming on. We are blessed to have you. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It is an honor, like your accolades uh, and awards and what you're known for. I was like, man, this would be amazing if we got her on because change. I mean, this is, we're all about on this podcast, trying to get people to really change areas Mm. of their lives so they get more success. But change sounds so easy, but at the end of the day, it's so damn hard. So give us some insight into that. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, if it was easy, everybody else would be doing it. And like, like Serge pointed out earlier, starting something's 
fine, right? Very good with my eating, one days, two days, then you fall off the wagon, start learning a foreign language after a week, people get bored of it. So the hardest part is not just the execution and it's actually the sustaining. And this is what I've found in my work as a change management consultant to some very large organizations. So it's maintaining that momentum and that energy is critical. And a a few of the strategies that I've used is to find a buddy, like changing with someone else that's going through that same journey makes it easier. Like this is why people have personal trainers. This is why people have study buddies. Like you're held accountable to someone else and you're more likely to get off your butt and actually execute it. If you have a certain weakness for something, for example, let's use the diet analogy, chocolate. Don't buy it. Make it hard for you to get that thing. Like you literally have to drive in your car. You have to get your ass. To, I'm to, laughing to because or- you're like speaking right to me right now. Because you're like, they ain't going to stop me too. They can barricade the Safeway. I'll yeah. still get around. That's his calling. Yeah. Yeah, you ha- and then you have to create rewards. Like, what are the rewards that will incentivize you to keep adopting this new behavior? Is it a massage? Is it you saving up for a holiday? Is it something you have to have that carrot in front of you? Because people in, in very conservative command and control organizations, they use the stick to get people to start to change. Mm. And the stick may be effective to get people to start doing it, but to enable them to continue doing it, you need the carrot. So you need the, the balance of the carrot and the stick for sure. So is the stick the thing that you get beat with? Is that the analogy? Right? Yeah, the, the <laughs> stick okay. is, is, some, is something it's fear-driven. Good stick. <laughs> it's, it's something fear-driven. Like, like, for example, if you don't do A, you're not going to make your bonus for this quarter, right? That's a stick. Yeah, okay. The yep. carrot will be if you do A, you've got to be recognized on the chairman's list or whatever. You can have $5,000 towards attending a conference of your choice. So good cop, bad cop. You need both, right? Yeah, it's yeah. big in sales organizations. across. Mm. I've been in Silicon Valley for a while and like they have that carrot dangling, right? If you do X, you can get what you want. But if you don't do it, Y, it could mm. impact your performance or whatever it might be. So that makes a ton mm. of sense. I wasn't mm. thinking of it in a workplace, but... Uh, that makes a ton of sense. I think it, it goes across life and work. So Serge, yeah. like for you, I mean, you've been at some of the greatest companies in the world and in this, you know, culture of Silicon Valley, it's like, I want to get, I want to get to that next level. I want to get promoted. And you got all these performance reviews. And honestly, there's a lot of, in those, a lot of deficiencies come out. What do you think is the, some of the key things that people are lacking in that are keeping them from advancing in their career? That's a good question. I think what I've seen, and I've been a part of this, I've had this mistake in my careers. I think it comes down a lot to self-promotion and being willing to promote yourself and stand out. In Silicon Valley, it's important to build relationships, network, all of the things. And if you don't, if you don't like make sure your manager or your manager's manager knows all the great work you're doing, they don't have the time to figure that out. Like you have to, because no one's going to do it for you. And that's something I've struggled with because I'm not that extroverted. I'm not that person who wants to show off. So I've seen that in my own performance reviews. I've seen it in others that you have to be your own like advocate. Mm. Yeah. And is there a way to go about it differently? Is there something that's holding you back from doing what you should do to be seen like to to frisco's point earlier i think there's consequences right and i've seen it i've gotten better at it over time the carrot i think people are dangling is the better you do on your performance review 
the higher bonus you're going to get, the more money you're going to make. And overall, just the better position you're going to put yourself in. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've noticed, Frisca, is in the Silicon Valley culture, uh, people more talk about like, oh, I'm going to get this money. I'm going to get this bonus. But then through the process, they have to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. A lot of times people don't deliver because they can't change their performance, their habits. So what advice would you have for people that maybe they're thinking like, well, I got to change my performance at work, but I haven't been able to do it. Like, how can they get to that next level and change their habits that have been holding them back? For me, it's to be really clear on what exactly it is that that they want to change and what, most importantly, what are they going to replace it with? It's like when we think of smokers, right, trying to give up cigarettes, like cold turkey rarely works. A lot of people have to wean themselves off. They have the nicotine patch. They have gum. They have chopper chops. So you used to do A, what are you going to replace it with? What is the B? So have that back up in place. Otherwise, without a plan, you'll go back to your old habits. And that really is the essence, like have a plan. People who write things down are 83% more likely to achieve them. So document explicitly what is the behavior that you're going to do? When are you going to do it? How do you know that, that it had worked? How are you going to document the results? And slowly but surely, you'll start to embed that into your routine. And, and your point, Sergio, about performance reviews and people struggle to get to that next level because they're not their biggest cheerleaders. It's like, guys, there is no point doing good work if no one knows about it. It's like you're shouting into the void. Like doing good work is only one side of the coin. The second part is making sure that this is known throughout the organization. And it was the same when I first started my business. Like I had a good reputation. I had all these blue chip companies and I thought, oh, as soon as I update my LinkedIn profile, clients are going to come. No way, no freaking way. I had to, I'm naturally introverted by nature and I had to take everything that was out of my head and start sharing it with the world, you know. And after 12 months of consistently posting on LinkedIn, I've achieved 400% growth. I've got clients from all around the world. I landed my first client because he saw one of my LinkedIn videos. I get speaking gigs from Salesforce, from Microsoft. And it's all because I started to put myself out there. And you have to do the same, regardless whether you're in an organization or whether you're um, running your own business. Yeah, I was going to say, Lee, we've talked about it before, but we're all salespeople at the end of the day. Whether we like it or not, like whatever industry you're in, whatever you're doing, like you have to be willing to sell, right? You have to like get people to buy into who you are and, and, and sell it all. So I agree. Oh. And your LinkedIn is awesome. I'm looking at it right now as we're recording this episode, but you've got a good following and you, I think you have really good content as well. So congrats on that. Okay. And, and remember, you know, everybody started with zero freaking followers, everybody, right? So we each have 24 hours in the day. We And time is a great equalizer. So it's up to us how we want to use that time. So it's never too late to start something. And the reason why my following has grown so exponentially is that the content I put out there is good and it gets reshared, it gets talked about, et cetera. So start taking the first step. It sounds like you utilize this change management like process with your LinkedIn content, meaning like... <laughs> At some point you had zero 100%. followers, but then at one point you, you were intentional and you're like, I'm going to make a change and post every day or whatever it is. Is that accurate? 100%. I focused on what the outcome that I wanted to achieve was, and that was to generate leads, close clients, etc. Then I identified what are the behaviors I need to do 
to reach that. And it meant setting up, setting aside half of Sunday to plan my content for the week, research the events that I wanted to speak at, write different articles, find a VA, et cetera, things like that. So I explicitly wrote down the behaviors I needed to do. Then I made sure I did them. I diarized them. Like that is my mantra, diarize, diarize. If it's in my diary, I'll do it. And most importantly, I track my performance. Like there's nothing more demotivating. For example, going to the gym, right? You, you exercise so hard for an hour, you jump on the scale, hasn't budged. So I made sure to not measure after a day or three days, or I measured after a month, after three months, after six months, and then after a year, and I could see the improvement in performance. Yeah, that seems like your ability to stick with a habit is like the biggest factor if you're going to actually make that change. So I think for a lot of us, we have all these lofty ideas of like, hey, I want to achieve this. And mm. you might hit it hard for one day or maybe two days. And then day three, a week goes by and it's like, oh yeah. And then a month and you're like, oh yeah, I remember I was going to do that. So like how long do you have to do something before it actually becomes ingrained? Like it's part of you. It's part of your DNA. Like this whole thing, like your know, surgeon's bringing up that you have a, a wonderful LinkedIn mm. and you've curated this content, but uh, you weren't always that way. Like when did it, how long did you have to do this? So it actually became part of you and you know that like, yeah, I'm going to do this as scheduled and no excuses. So let me tell you first how it started, right? So I like to write. I've been writing for nearly a decade. I've been published in a lot of journals and articles, etc. And that was my way of not just a creative outlet, but showcasing my expertise. And I never used to be that active on LinkedIn. I would publish an article maybe once a month. You, you can track back. And then a friend who I really respected, I was talking to him as I was walking down Collins Street in Melbourne, and I was whinging that I wasn't getting the traction that I wanted on the platform. And this guy had crazy amount of followers and engagement. And he said, look, you're a change manager. You help people change. You need to drink your own medicine and you need to change too. And he sent me all these stats about the format and the types of content that people were consuming. And I wasn't hitting the mark. I was writing articles and they were well, very well written articles, but not a lot of reach, not a lot of engagement. And he said, look, just trust me. Just do this for two months, just once a week. That's all I ask. You don't have to do it every day. And if you get nothing after two months, I'll shut up and I'll never bother you again. So six weeks later, I landed my first big client from that content. So it was that result that I was looking for that made me keep going, right? So that's what kept me going. And then, and then I just was all in after that. I fully committed. So for like the average person, like how long does it to take to generally develop a habit? Well, We've, I'm sure you've all heard the cliche that it takes 21 days to form yeah. a habit. Yeah, I've heard that's uh, like some truth and some people say it's yeah, totally false. I really, I really think that it depends on how committed you are. Yeah. I really think that's the key. For me, if I decide to do something, then I bloody do it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in that example, it was, it was two months. And this is what you should tell yourself when you're trying to embed a new behavior as well. Like set yourself a window, some sort of trial period. Like for example, you want to turn up, you want to try Pilates, right? To see if that's more effective than high intensity training. You can't do, you can't do that after a week. 
Like you need at least two, three months to see the results. So give yourself a trial period, document your wins, visualize your progress, and that will drum up the momentum that you need to sustain this new behavior. I was thinking part of the problem is that I think we're in a society where it's uh, instant gratification. Absolutely. Mm. Right? We want it in one day. Yeah. People just don't have the attention span or the commitment, like you said, right? Like, do you see that with some of your clients? They want it right away versus playing the long game? Oh, definitely. I mean, when I'm on board, when I'm brought on board, it's usually some sort of significant uh, transformation. Maybe they're embedding um, AI or automation, and it's quite a big step from the way the business is doing things today to the way that they want to do it in the future. A lot of change management especially is quite challenging because you're changing the way people think, the way people behave. Sometimes they've been doing the same thing for decades. And resistance is not going to be be overcome overnight, right? Just because I have one meeting with a person doesn't mean they're all in, that's it, ready to do away with the past. So like anything, it takes time and it's really not a race. It's really not a sprint. And the equivalent of doing a new behavior today and then expecting it to get results tomorrow, it's like a bowl and it's smashed on the floor. You've super glued it back together and then you use it immediately to serve yourself hot soup. It's, it's not going <laughs> to last. It, it really does take time to reprogram your mindset and to accept that this is the way things are going to roll now. This is the way that you're going to behave from today. Mm-hmm. Right. This yeah. is why Alcoholics Anonymous has 12 steps, right? This is, this is why people go through <laughs> yeah. coaching programs. There's yeah. no such thing as an overnight success and people who tell you otherwise are, are liars. You know, I mean, look at Canva. I'm sure you guys in the States have heard of Canva, right? B- yeah. Billion oh, dollar yeah, company, awesome. Unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. They, that's like a 12-year evolution. It's only now people are like, wow, wow, but it wasn't always like that. And I was reading an article today um, about Fred Shabesta. He's He was actually someone I interviewed on my LinkedIn show, and he's on the Australian Financial Review Young Rich List. So he's worth about $340 million or something. But you know, people just see all this success, but they don't appreciate what it took to get there. He used to rent out the spare room of his share house for extra money. He would steal toilet paper from hotel lobbies for crying out loud. He, he didn't get to where he was overnight. And then the sooner that people realize this, like anything worth having in life takes commitment, dedication, persistence, and an almost feverish passion for master better. I love that. That's fantastic. So like with these companies that bring you in, I'm sure they want you to make miracles immediately, right? They're probably like, mm-hmm. Frisco, we need you to like our corporate structure, or our, our people, like it's in disarray, like fix it now. And you're saying like, you know, how long does that take if you're taking like an organization, like mm. maybe a, let's say a company that's maybe got, you know, 500 employees, not a a massive company, but what time does that take to implement these changes across an organization? So it depends on the change. If it's a culture change, obviously that's going to take years, but if it's implementing a a new system, et cetera, and embedding that into BAU at least six months Mm -hmm. and really how fast you get there depends how much the company wants to invest in it. And I don't mean throwing money at it. I mean, people look to their direct supervisor or manager for 
a gauge of some sort, a gauge, like so many change initiatives are dead in the corporate graveyard. So they look to their leaders to kind of, to understand how important is this? How likely is this to stick? Should I prioritize this? Are you going to back me on this? And so if the leaders of the organization aren't fully on board and doing their job to manage resistance, because me as the change professional, it's not my job to manage resistance. It's the leader's job. I can help you, equip you with strategies, tell you who you need to talk to, give you some tips, et cetera. But it's the leader's role to manage resistance. I just create the conditions for adoption to thrive. And that's, that's the hardest part. That's, <laughs> people don't want to change. Like mm. I've seen people in roles for many years and like if someone comes in telling them to do something different, they don't want to change. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it, often they're scared, right? They're scared. Yeah. They're scared of the five P's. They're scared of losing something. Am I going to lose my power? Am I going to lose my position? Am I going to lose my pay? Am I going to lose my protection? And lastly, am I going to lose my prestige? Mm. So if you can allay their fears over those five P's, they are more likely to speak to you and engage with you. The five P's. I like that. Did you? So do you engage more with leadership? or the employees, or is it a combination? I engage more with senior leaders. Yeah. Okay. So you kind of equip them and, and they cascade out to the employees. Like this is what's happening. Correct. I, I mean, like any transformation, it has to start at the top. It has to be backed at the top. I mean, the best way to change someone's behavior is to change your own behavior. And people will see that and like, oh, actually the CEO is serious about it. And they will start to follow. You know, the, At the end of the day, the leaders are the role models in the organization and people take their cues from them. You mentioned earlier something about the consequence aspect. So when someone doesn't do something the way they're supposed to do it, something would happen, whether it's a performance review impact or whatever. How effective do you think those policies are in reality when we start thinking about the employee morale and all the things like that go into the workplace? Like, how effective do you think those policies are? I think when they're enforced, they're effective. What's most frustrating to me is, is not the fact that there's consequences for not adopting. There are no consequences for not adopting it at some cases. Like I remember in previous organizations, I highlighted to the leadership team, like this person, that person, they're feeling this way. What should we do about it? They're resistant. I need you to do this, this, and this. And they proceeded to sit on their hands and not do anything. And so that undermines any credibility about the change and how serious the organization is to making it stick. So toxic people are a classic example. When a company is trying to change its culture, but they don't remove the people who are, for example, known bullies or are quite aggressive, like it doesn't work. So actually consequences are not a bad thing, but they are very rarely enforced, which is the big challenge. You need to go into a bunch of Silicon Valley companies. Lots of bullies all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Just all, it's rampant. I've heard not, not at my company, no, not at my company. <laughs> of course not, of course not. <laughs> it's not serious, on a serious note. Like, I think that's a big part of change management is culture and toxicity. Like, 100%. I don't know. Leah, I don't know if this is, we want to no, get on this topic, I, but I like, agree. I'm just curious. Mm. Like, have you had that experience where you've had to change? I'm sure you like culture, right? Like really toxic environments. Like, can you talk to us a little bit about that? I have. And the challenge with culture change initiatives, which we've talked about earlier, is the expectation for overnight culture change initiatives. They not only do they take effort, but they, they take a lot of money, right? Get, 
doing leadership offsites, clarifying what behaviors you want in the new culture, setting aside time, like taking time away from BAU stuff to focus on culture. And because, unfortunately, executives are very much still remunerated on short-term targets, right? What are our quarterly earnings? Um, so culture initiatives are often fallen by the wayside because they do take time, right? There are no shortcuts with culture. And a lot of organizations aren't willing to make the hard decisions. There are a lot of substandard leaders, managers. There's a lot of dead wood floating around. And unless you suck the poison out, you are not going to get the culture that you want. That's great. So first, uh, going back to what we're talking about, like people trying to change. So you were really big about saying you have to have a plan. You have to write it down. You have to look at it. You have to measure your results. What if you've, you've done that part where you, you write down your goals, you've been trying to measure it, but you still feel like time has gone by and you're not satisfied with the change. You're, you really care about it. You're dressing it, you think, in the best way, but the results still aren't there. What would you mm. suggest to do at that point? Find a professional or make the change incremental so that you don't feel it. So, for example, you're saving up for something, you've got a $10,000 goal. Download one of those apps that automatically, every time you pay something, say it's $5.26 and, and it's routed up to $6, that gap is automatically siphoned off to that savings account. So that way you don't feel the pain. It's just done for you. If you're not strong enough to do it, take the decision out of your hands. Oh, right? And we like see this that. all the time in relationship breakups, by the way. Many of my girlfriends have been like, I'm not strong enough. Can you remove him from my Facebook? Remove him from my Insta? Honestly, and I'll do it. I'm like, yeah, get rid of this dickhead. Awesome. Take the emotional sting out of it, right? Take the decision out of your hands. That way it's done for you. That's, that's genius. I mean, being in the financial arena, one of the biggest things that I see between success and failure is instant gratification. Mm. Can you delay that? Generally, the people that suffer in their finances, they want instant gratification. They're like, I want to buy a new car. I want to go buy trips and food and go out and I want, and I want it now. Right. And even though they don't have a lot of money, they're still like, I got to spend, 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 spend because they need that. Whereas the people that achieve success say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to save and I'm just going to keep doing it. I don't need to take that trip. I don't need to go. I can do it sparingly and I'm going to save for that rainy day so I can get something that's going to put me forward in my life. But to your point, a lot of those people that have achieved it, they've made it automatic. Mm -hmm. They just say, hey, from my retirement account, it happens. Every month, yep. I don't have to. It's like brushing your teeth; you don't even yeah. think about it. Thinking yeah. of my savings account, it happens every month. Investing into my investment accounts, it happens every month, and they don't have to think about it. They took away the decision because if it was left yeah. in their hands, like all of us, most of us wouldn't do it. Yeah, all right. It, it's the same reason why bloody Zuckerberg wears the same thing every day. So because he doesn't have to think about it, right? It frees up his intellectual capacities for, for other things, right? Same outfit, jeans, t-shirt, jeans, t-shirt. So yeah, ma make the decision automatic. And I totally agree with your point about um, delayed gratification. You always need to have, be thinking about that bigger term, that, that long-term goal. I, I adopt the same thing. Like I'll rarely, contrary to popular belief, I'm not a shopaholic. I rarely actually buy things full whack. Like why should I when 
six months later, it'll be half the price. You know, I, n- I never need anything that urgently. Yeah. So like one thing that I think a lot of us struggle with, and I've mentioned in the beginning, trying to exercise, trying to lose weight. I feel like all of us are kind of on that same mm. thing, especially as we get yeah. older, or like it gets harder and you're like, ah, I got to lose those pounds. Like, I got to tighten up. So funny story for me, like for people that don't know, I, I coach uh, a girl's soccer team and I told them like, I think it was like two months ago. I was like, oh, coach Lee's going to, he's going to lose 10 pounds. And they're like, like, oh, sure, Coach Lee, sure. And then three weeks later, four weeks later, they're coming. Hey, how's that weight? How's that weight going, Coach? <laughs> and they're doing it. They just know. They're like, he looks fatter. I'm just going <laughs> to rub it in. And so like that people that struggle with the basic stuff, like working out, trying to lose weight, which is absolutely <laughs> important, right? We're all focused on our career and stuff. But if our health isn't there, you know, what you got, right? Like you got to focus on your health. So people sure. making those changes. Do you have any like good advice to change uh, change our lazy ways again it's all about incremental and find the tools to help you have you guys heard of couch to 5k no i have not no okay it's actually a viral app so couch, couch what to, is it couch to 5k so it's an app literally to help couch potatoes run <laughs> their first five kilometers lee don't so it's like a it's like a p- <laughs> It's like a PT in your pocket. And you guys have heard, I'm sure you guys have heard of Duolingo as well, right? The Duolingo, foreign language. Yeah. Yep. yeah. See, what do these two apps have in common when it comes to behavior change? They're generous with their tummy tickles, right? They constantly reward you with positive quotes, with motivation. They remind you of your progress. They make it easy for you to adopt. So we should adopt these same principles when we're trying to change our own behavior, right? Start small, just start. Like there was a book published by, I can't remember the lady's name, some lady in Australia, very poor background, very obese, like biggest loser obese I'm talking about, no access to gym equipment, right? Rural town. All she started doing was a lap around her living room, just two minutes, then three minutes, then four minutes. Well, long story short, she's now running marathons, right? So if she can do it, you can do it too. The, the whole point is to just keep at it, right? Small incremental changes and then make sure you adopt a long, longer-term outlook, like expecting to lose five kilos in a week is completely unrealistic. So make sure you have realistic goals because otherwise, if your goals are too aggressive and you don't meet them, yeah. you're going to be disheartened and you're going to drown your sorrows in a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> That's where I always find myself. <laughs> am I right or am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're like right. Speaking, you're right. looking right at him. Like, He's just staring right through me. <laughs> Those times that I've fallen asleep with the, the spoon in my mouth and the sticky <laughs> forearm because I got the Ben and Jerry's all over my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I got you where you so uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's that habit. I think it's like one day at a time, right? We're all trying to do it. Mm. It's interesting. Like the, I used to eat a ton of candy. And over, and I, I never thought I could stop eating candy, but to your point, one day at a time, I was just like, all right, I need to stop this. Yeah. And now I haven't had candy in like a year. Awesome. And I don't even yeah. want it. And now everything's way too sweet. Yeah. So like, I think like for me, what's worked is like that literally one day at a time. And then over time, it just becomes a habit. Mm, I, I'm not like mm. this with everything, but I like, that's one example for me that's worked. So I'm with you on Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes people need to be removed from their natural surroundings. This is why people go on retreats, right? They're, they're away from their homes. They're overseas somewhere. They get a reboot. They get exercise, new, new eating habits. They learn about wellness and nutrition, et cetera. And then they come back and hopefully they would have been given 
some tips and tricks to embed this, to assimilate this back in their normal life, right? We've seen this happen with Biggest Loser contestants. Most of them regain that weight within 18 months. And it's because they haven't embedded the new behaviors or know what to do when they get back home. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. Friska, how can people reach out to you if they want to you know, uh, learn more about what you do? They need, they've hit that roadblock. They need that next push. Like, how can they reach out to you? Sure. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Just type uh, Friska Wiria. Uh, and my website is freshbyfriska.com. Audience, I promise this is not a LinkedIn paid endorsement we uh, friska i work at linkedin and i feel like everyone oh, we do you i didn't know that <laughs> yeah, yeah everyone we interview like calls it out as some sort of success story or some how powerful the network is i'm happy to hear it but uh this is not paid by linkedin yeah and it's not about the platform it's about the network like before obviously a lot of people are on the platform right now because many areas were in lockdown but before I used to go to face-to-face events all the time. Like you know, one person could change your life and could have what you're looking for. So I never say no to an opportunity to meet new people. Well, it's been a pleasure meeting you. Love having you on our show. You've been listening to the Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Offered through Securities America Incorporated, member FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.